Well, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the fakers gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck. A mini podcast, making luck, mini so. Wandering Winderback with another Making Luck mini-sode. Uh, I know we've done a number of mini-sodes here on money, but today, on this episode, I'd like to take a look at something completely different. And if you remember uh, in a previous mini-sode when we were talking about money, and I was describing the effects of money on your deck, or the effects of card on your deck in the money deck, and when we were talking about drawing cards, I said that when you add a card that draws cards to your deck, you subtract the number of cards that it draws from the denominator of your money density. Well, if you'll notice, um, there are cards that draw more cards than they are, more than one card, basically. And if you get enough of those, you subtract enough, you're ending up getting towards a fraction where the denominator is zero. And obviously when that happens, things blow up. And so once you get towards that range, what what effectively is happening is you are changing paradigms. So instead of the money paradigm today, we're going to talk at, about what I call the whole deck paradigm, or the whole deck output entire deck output, but generally I, I like to call it the whole deck paradigm. Um, a lot of people, this is roughly what a lot of people mean when they use the term engine, although that is a little bit of a loaded term. I know Adam is not a big fan of that term uh, because it's a little bit loaded and it has a lot of different meanings to different people and it's not exactly well defined. But the paradigm I'm talking about today, the whole deck paradigm, is such that instead of the money paradigm where the amount of output that you can expect on an average turn is basically your average card quality as measured by money density times the number of cards that you have being usually not much different than your opening five. Instead here, the average turn output of your deck is equal to the entire output of your deck. It's all the payload of every card in your deck combined. Um, now, to be in a deck that actually falls into this paradigm, therefore, uh, you actually need to be able to play all those cards in your deck to play all, all your deck, which generally means you need to draw your whole deck. Um, now, when I say your whole deck, and you need to be able to play every card in your deck, I don't necessarily, strictly speaking, mean 100% of the cards in your deck has to be played. What I really mean is you want to be able to play an arbitrary number, any number of cards in your deck that you actually want to play, uh, then you can play. So I don't mean you have to play your estates. Obviously you can't play your estates. You know, I'm, don't worry about that. I, But I also don't mean, oh, your opponent gave you some ruined minds. If you can't play them, then this doesn't fall into this pair. Like, yeah, you don't technically have to play every card in your deck. But if there is any card in your deck that you want to play, you should be able to play almost an arbitrary number of them. Obviously, there's 
limited number of cards in the supply. So if you're trying to play, you know, 50 terminal actions and there's only two stacks of villages, then okay, whatever. But obviously games don't go that long, so this is kind of a moot point. Um, but the other thing it applies to is, you know, you don't have enough actions to play your chapel, but you've already trashed everything that you already want. Well, okay, this is not a, a big problem. Uh, you know, you don't want to or you don't care about playing your chapel anymore. If there is a card... The point is, if there's a card in your deck that you care about playing, you're able to play it, basically. Um, or for an arbitrary number of them, right? Sometimes it may be correct that I add an extra payload card before I add an extra village, and I can't play all my terminals for a turn. But in general, on the turn-to-turn basis, the point is you can play, you can draw and play, or play without drawing, I guess, if there's somehow a way to do that. Like, goleming it counts. Um, But you can play an arbitrary number of, of payload cards in your deck. And why is this why is this kind of definition important well basically why is it different why is it important basically uh when you have a deck that has this property where you can play everything that you want to to be able to uh every turn uh the big thing is once you add a card to your deck then the output of your deck gets increased not by the difference between the average between that card and the average card times the number, the fraction of turns that you can expect to uh, actually be able to play the card, um, to you know, to draw the card. Instead, what it is is it's just increased by the payload amount of that card. Um, now, obviously, you need to stay in the paradigm of being able to draw and play all these cards to do it. So, you know, it's not just like I added 12 terminal actions to my deck this turn and I don't have any villages, well, then you've fallen out of this paradigm. So it's not, you know, all roses, oh, I get to for free. Like, obviously you understand this, right? If you're going to add more terminals, you're going to need to add more villages to support it, and you're going to need to add more draw in order to be able to draw and play them. But in general, uh, this can be a really powerful thing. And so let's... uh, Let's let's talk about uh, just some things we can learn from first principles based on this definition. Um, so, given that you're drawing and playing every card in your deck that you want every turn, first of all, uh, when we're talking about a deck that's looking to be in this paradigm, uh, the average card quality doesn't matter anymore. Um, what matters is the the actual payload of your deck and your ability to actually get that done, right? Many, if not most, decks that fall in this paradigm are not 100% to actually draw their deck every turn, Um, and so there is some fail rate of your first hand doesn't have any drawing cards, it doesn't have any villages, and you you can't actually draw your deck. So, So the average output of your turn is basically the percentage chance that you have of drawing your deck times the total amount of payload in your deck, um, when you can. Uh, also, since you're drawing and playing every card you want to in your whole deck, you need to look at things that have diminishing returns versus things that, uh, you know, just add 
linearly versus things that are better in multiples. So something like a discard attack, like Militia, most of those, uh, if you stack them, it doesn't help you at all, right? If I play two Militias, it isn't any better for me than if I played one Militia, other than obviously the increased money. So if you're in this paradigm where you're drawing and playing your whole deck, uh, a lot of these uh, attacks um, that have their effect once per turn, you want to have exactly one copy of, or maybe none, but generally one. Um, you want to look at things that are going to help your reliability in order to be able to draw your whole deck every t- and play every card that you want to in your deck every turn. Um, and you want to try to be able to avoid things that are going to hinder your ability to do the same. So reliability is important. Um, and then the output of your deck is important. Uh, gains tend to be important because there's this positive feedback mechanism that often happens uh, in these kinds of decks, right? So I added, I, my deck output was 8, and now I add a silver, my deck output is 10. And then if I have plus buys, I can buy more things next turn. So I could buy two things, and then I can buy three things. And there's this positive feedback the next turn. I can buy four things the next turn. I can buy five things because I'm continually adding money to my deck that's increasing the output. On my very next turn, I'm going to be able to buy even more things. But in order to be able to take advantage of that, you usually need some form of extra gains. Plus buy is usually helpful, but gains uh, in other senses from you know workshop or variant like that are also very helpful. Um, you need to be able to keep adding cards that allow you to continue drawing to your deck uh, in order to keep that reliability up as you're adding more payload. Uh, but your payload can really explode uh, because of this positive feedback property. You know, I buy a woodcutter, and then the next turn I can buy two woodcutters, and then the next turn I can buy three woodcutters. Um, obviously, you're not only buying the woodcutters, you also have to be getting, you know, a village and a smithy in order to be able to draw them and another village to be able to play them. So it's not quite, you know, two, four, six that explosive often. Uh, but it does it does add up very fast. You know, your output is five money and a buy this turn, and then the next turn it's eight money and two buys, and then the next turn it's ten money and two buys, and then the next turn it's 13 money and three buys, and it can really... Uh, increase by, you know, a, a dollar or two a turn, or a coin, I guess I should say, of spending power or two a turn, um, which is a lot faster than if you remember in, in the money paradigm, it's, oh, the marginal difference between the card I added, so if I added a silver that was two, and my average card was already 1.1, then it's, that's only 0.9, but then I'm only drawing the silver once every four turns anyway, so I've added basically 0.1 to my average card amount, and I multiply that by my five cards, and I've added, you know, half a money a turn, and that's actually quite a good turn, because usually your deck's thicker than that, and the difference between the silver that you're adding and your average card isn't even that great, so being able to even just add a silver's worth that's fully two on a turn is a lot, um, so it, it, it you really have this positive feedback mechanism that can explode a lot. Um, the other things, you can play that uh, that discard attack every turn. Um, you can wait longer, in, in many cases, to green um, because, uh, well, you can just buy a province 
every turn because your output every turn is that eight and uh and so you can really just have eight four five turns in a row um as instead of having that variance because if you're drawing your deck every turn there isn't variance in your output um, i will say there is a, a big variance because of the reliability uh it's it's less consistent if you draw your deck you're very consistent but you're some chance to do like close to nothing because you don't draw anything so so there's variance in that way but it's, it's a different kind of variance right um some other things we can learn from first principles uh extra money doesn't actually help you in this kind of deck if you have uh, a fixed number of buys and there is some amount of cards that some cards that are the best cards for you to get at, at that number of buys. So let's say you only have one buy, and the best card that you can get ever in your deck is a province that costs eight. Anything that makes more money than eight, the added benefit of that money does nothing for you because you're, the way that you're that you're proceeding is you're drawing your whole deck. You know the difference between eight money and ten money in your deck. At the end of your turn, you've drawn it all. The extra two money to go from eight to ten goes to waste. This comes up a little bit in money in the money density paradigm, but you don't waste much, and you don't waste much that often. Here, it's a waste every turn. So you you don't want to generally, or there's no benefit generally to over over. Uh, I don't want to say overbuilding because that's usually referring to your ability to draw things, but there's no, and, and that can be useful for reliability purposes. But there's no, there's no benefit towards uh, growing your your payload, your output of your deck by more than the maximum amount that you can usefully use on a turn. Now, if you have two buys, then then there is benefit again because I can get two five costs with my 10 if I have two buys, right? But if I have two buys, then there's no point in getting anything over 16. If I have three buys, then there's no point in getting anything over 24. Whatever the most expensive set of cards for your number of buys is, um, this is all assuming, of course, that you're not going to be able to add more buys later. If if I have 10 now, but I'm going to be able to have two buys next turn, then, then okay. Uh, but anyway... Um, this positive feedback, you get quick benefit from adding cards to your deck. You get the maximal benefit out of that card, right? I'm going to get the whole value of my silver basically every turn um, or every turn that I actually am drawing my whole deck anyway. Um, because these decks usually rely on uh, extra buys and gains and because they get to then do that every turn, they have a great amount of control over when the game ends. You can say, I'm going to draw my whole deck this turn. I can use my four buys in order to remove these cards from piles. And that's going to position me such that I'm threatening to remove an additional four cards from these piles next turn. And that's going to end the game. So you can play around with threatening to end the game in a very precise way. uh, Such that your opponent maybe has to do something that they otherwise wouldn't be able to. Or wouldn't, not wouldn't be able to, wouldn't like to do. Uh, because otherwise you can end the game. You, generally, you have more pile control in a deck like this, both because you have the opportunity and ability to abuse extra gains and buys, but also because if you're drawing your deck every turn, then you can plan multiple turns ahead uh, 
usually even just one or two turns ahead on this is how I'm going to be able to empty these piles in a very precise manner. Um, and so those, that's the main benefits uh, of a deck like this. Um, and, and this is generally the most, probably the most common kind of deck in Dominion anymore. The most common kind of deck to be the best deck in a given, in a given kingdom. Uh, by no means is it every, uh, every kingdom or every board that, that this is the best kind of deck. Uh, and I don't, I, I'm not even sure that it's a majority of boards that this is the best kind, but it, it often is. It often is. It's probably the plurality uh, most common best deck, uh, if if maybe not the majority. It also might be, you know, more than half the time it's, it's the best kind of deck to have. Anyway, we, we've talked about the benefits. Some of the other, some of the difficulties uh, of this kind of a deck is um, a, a lot of times it can be slow to get going because in order to actually be in this deck, you don't start in a deck that draws itself. You start with 10 cards, none of them draw. You're only drawing five cards a turn. So you need to be able to eliminate cards that aren't helping you to get into this paradigm. You need to be able to add cards that draw and add cards to give you the actions to be able to play what you want uh, to get into this paradigm. That all takes quite a while to set up, as opposed to a money deck where you start in the paradigm already. So you have to do work in order to transform your deck into this paradigm from the start of the game. So that's that's a downside. It can be a little bit slow depending on on uh, what the cards what what cards are available, what they give you. Um, you have to maintain your ability to draw the deck in order for this paradigm to function properly. So you need to keep adding more draw cards, adding more cards to give you plus actions. And if that's a little bit hard to do, or if there aren't plus buys in order to be able to, as you add payload, also add these cards that help you keep drawing your deck, then you're going to have some problems in a lot of cases in order to be able to maintain this. Um, And in particular, uh, this is going to be a problem if you have an extended period of time where you're having junk cards in your deck, Uh, usually this is going to come up uh, in terms of greening, right? If you have to be able to buy victory cards over four, five, six turns, then it's often going to be problematic in order to stay in this place where you are continuing to draw your deck because it's hard to be adding those green cards and still have the draw and be keep adding the draw. It's, it's very difficult to actually do all of that. So usually these kinds of decks need to green over a uh, pretty short period of time in order to keep their reliability very well. Um, And then also the other difficulty or drawback of this deck is you actually need something to do to make it worthwhile um, to to actually do this. So if you're just generating money, then okay, sometimes this is still good, but like how how good is it really? Um, It's... It's not that different in this case from just making money and then it just comes out to being speed. Um, So generally you're going to need some form of plus buy, some form of gain, uh, maybe some attack that's really devastating to other players. Uh, Usually there is something there, but uh, it's not not a given. It's not trivial. There are some boards where there's all all of the pieces and all of the ways in order to be able to draw your deck every turn and get into this paradigm. But you actually need to be able to do something with that 
uh, in this sustained way um, in order to in order for this to actually be worth it. Um, let's talk about a little bit um, how these decks get build, built, not build. They get build the same way as any other decks. You you uh, you know have to buy cards just the same. They get built. How do you build a deck like this? Well, in general, you want to prioritize getting into the paradigm first, and then after that, you want to start ramping up your payload. If you start ramping up payload first, that's going to uh, extend the amount of time that it takes to get into this kind of deck. In particular, if the way that you're getting into this deck is through thinning your deck, which it usually is, thinning your deck of bad cards, um, then it's harder to thin your deck once your deck is thicker to start with. Um, But additionally, adding payload at the start of the game is going to be less efficient than adding payload later on, right? The big benefit of a deck that is in the whole deck paradigm is that when you add this payload to your deck, you're adding it very efficiently. You're spending $3 for a silver. You're getting a $2 benefit every turn out of it. That's extremely efficient. Whereas at the start of the game, if you buy a silver, you know, you're spending $3. You're increasing your average turns payload by, you know, less than half of a dollar per turn. It's, you know, less than a quarter is efficient, right? So uh, it's much more efficient generally to add payload after you've started to draw your deck than to try to add it first. Having said that, it's not, strictly speaking, 100%. Never, ever get payload until you're drawing your deck um, for a couple reasons. One, you usually need some amount of payload in, in many cases toward to be able to buy the cards that will help you draw your deck. Right, A lot of these cards cost, say, five or six, and in order to be able to do to, to buy them in the first place, uh, you need a deck that's a little bit better than, than your original deck. So uh, you're usually going to need to get a silver or two or some equivalent amount of economic cards. Um, sometimes you can do that by getting cards that, uh, that help you get on your way to, to drawing your deck and uh, increase your economic benefit. So if you, you know, start by opening a smithy, then you're going to be able to hit five with that smithy sometimes because it provides an immediate economic benefit, and then later on it's going to help you draw cards, right? Um, so sometimes you can do that, but in a lot of cases you need to add a little bit of economic power uh, in order to actually speed you up in getting the cards you need to get to this point where you are drawing your deck. Um, and then additionally, once you get to the point where you're drawing your deck, like it, it does help to already have more payload. It starts that positive feedback kind of chain reaction uh, at a higher point on the curve if you have more uh, payload already to start. Um, and so having more payload at that point is better than having less. Uh, it's just that it you don't want to spend much time adding that payload because it's usually more efficient to spend the time thinning down. But if adding another card won't help you get to drawing your deck much, if at all, faster, then it's still worthwhile. It's still good to add the payload as well. It's not that the payload is bad. It's that getting to uh, the point where you're drawing your deck is usually 
a, a higher priority because there's this inflection point when you switch from I'm drawing some of my deck, I'm drawing my opening hand plus a little bit more to I'm drawing my whole deck every turn. And once you get to the point where you are drawing that whole deck every turn, there's this kind of inflection point where the amount of payload you have per turn really starts to curve upwards much more steeply than the gradual slope up of of a money deck. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's the basics. Um, you want to generally focus on your draw first. Make sure that you're slowing down your opponent uh, as much as necessary, I guess, is the other thing to mention. You want to make sure that you're having enough time to build this kind of deck up uh, as it is slow to start. So you may add some things to slow your opponent down if it slows them down more than you. Um, at the same time, you want to be thinning your deck out. You want to be adding the cards that let you draw, so your villages, your smithies, your labs, the cards that increase your sustained drawing power, um, reducing the cards that are junk in your deck. Uh, and then once you get to that point where you are drawing your deck, you want to make sure that if there are attacks, you're playing them every turn, attacks that you want to play every turn, that you are doing so. You want to ensure that you can continue to build your deck with the plus buys and the amount of money that you're going to need to add you know, both more drawing components as well as that payload so that you can get this ramp upward. And then once you're at that point, you can some start to reassess a little bit based on what your opponent is doing, what you need to do then in order to win the game, whether that's to have really good pile control or whether that's to build up to scoring enough points. And uh, at that point, you can figure out um, kind of how you're greening. At the beginning of the game, you don't need to figure this out, uh, you know, how you're going to end up winning. You don't need to necessarily figure that out. You do need to know that you can, that you have an avenue, at least, that can win in a non-mirror. So if your opponent's going for big money, say, you need to make sure that you're going to have something that can slow them down or score enough points uh, such that if they get off to a faster start than you, you're not just totally dead. Um, so you need to know, you need to have some plan that, okay, if they go for that, I can do this thing at that point, and I should be able to win. But the exact particulars of when you buy what is not something that you should plan from the beginning. You should see how the game has gone, and once you get to that point where you're drawing your deck, you can start to plan out, okay, this turn I'm going to add these things, that's going to give me this amount of money, and at that point you can then plan multiple turns in advance, you know, I'm going to draw my whole deck again. I'm going to have this amount of money and this amount of buys. I can do that the turn after, and then the turn after that I can do exactly this. So you can really plan ahead at that point after you've gotten your deck drawn. But the game really kind of falls into two, two phases. One, where you're building up your ability to get that deck drawn as, as well as doing the other things you need to do to avoid your opponent from crippling your deck with attacks while also trying to slow them down enough. And then once you get to the point where you're drawing your deck, that's like a point to reassess and plan out. Okay, here's how I'm going to build up. And then at some point around that similar time, maybe a little bit after, you've built up a little bit more. Um, if if you have uh, very little payload to start with, sometimes you just have to build the same way always. But at that point, you can really assess, you know, am I going for a pile out? Am I trying to control piles while also scoring some points? Am I building up to uh, a single mega turn where I'm going to score all my points at once? 
am I gradually getting two provinces a turn or is it better to go for three provinces a turn or is it better to go for one province a turn while continuing to increase my draw and getting my tax plate or whatever it is, you, you can figure that out at that point after you draw your deck. So, you know, step one is to get your deck controlled as fast as possible, adding enough payload really just to be able to do that for the most part. Um, more payload is fine for that, but not, uh, not as good as thinning, not as good as drawing. And then once you get your deck drawn, then plan out, here's how I'm going to increase my payload, and here are my options for controlling when the game ends and making sure that that happens in a way that's favorable for me. Um, but I think that's going to do it for this introduction to the whole deck paradigm. Uh, so that's Wandering Winter signing off with another Mickey Mouse.